Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Well, it's time for another Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, serving youth all throughout Kansas City with an office in Overland Park. You can find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. On today's show, we're going to be talking about four steps to help you plan ahead for taxes in retirement. Looking forward to the conversation today with David. But before we dive into all of that, David, good to have you back here on the show and back recording in KC. The last couple of episodes, you were out, out west enjoying a little trip out there, and you brought back the good weather with you. Well, I did. It's been uh, pretty incredible since I've been back. I uh, spent a little bit of time in Arizona with my 89-year-old mother, and so that was fun, and um, back in the saddle here. But, uh, boy, that was a pretty nice <laughs> little stretch of weather we had out in uh, the Phoenix area while things were pretty cold here in Kansas City. Did you uh, give us give us one uh, little memorable moment from the trip or something you did or some food you ate? I know maybe with COVID, you know, type restrictions, maybe it wasn't as wide open as you normally would have been on a visit like that. But uh, any particular little element stand out to you that you could do in Arizona that you can't get in Kansas City? Oh, yeah. So my wife and I are big um, proponents of kind of that staying safe thing during COVID. So all of a sudden, you're not eating many outdoor restaurants in Kansas City in February. <laughs> but, you know, in, in Phoenix, you were able to do that. So we actually were able to eat out a bunch because the weather was nice. So, you know, without picking two or three terrific times, we even took a four-hour bike ride uh, one Saturday afternoon. So there was just a lot to do that could get you out and make you feel like you weren't totally closed in for COVID. Now, hopefully vaccine coming my way here in another month or two and you know things look a lot different next winter but but that was the striking difference for us is we love being outside and we don't love these days eating in indoor restaurants so we kind of lucked out with that yeah it's helpful when it can be uh, good weather outside and enjoy that outdoor eating uh, one last question for you before we go into all the uh, tax things on our agenda today uh, since you brought up the the vaccine I imagine you've had a lot of clients getting the vaccine over the last couple of weeks, and maybe even at this point it's been out long enough, the last couple of months, having some of your clients be able to get the vaccine. Have you had good reception or information or feedback from your clients who have gotten it and maybe gotten some of their parts of their lives back to normal? Yeah, everybody has been really excited about getting the call or the text from their healthcare provider. Uh, I, I only had one person that said they got really any noticeable uh, ch health changes because of the vaccine, and that didn't last more than, you know, a day. And I actually had one client in last week that said, I'm not going to take the vaccine. I said, well, tell me about that. And he goes, well, we, we got COVID back in August, so I'm just going to wait and get at the end of the line and let somebody else have my vaccine. I thought, well, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I've heard a, a lot of people saying that, uh, kind of a similar vein, maybe not even that they've gotten it, but just I know that there are others who need it before I do, so I'm willing to wait a little bit. And I'm like, let's just be honest. You just, you want other people, you want as many other people to get it before you do. It's okay to be a little, a little scared. You know, I understand. I understand. Uh, I'm, I'm in that camp of can't wait to get it. I'm, I'm very, I'm happy to let others who really need it go before me. But uh, once it's my turn, sure, I'm, I'll step up and get it. Let's get life back to normal. So. Yep. Sounds like it's coming fast with that J&J &J vaccine. I think you're right. Kind that was a good like improvement. You and I are going to get ours sometime in, you know, 
maybe late April, probably sometime in May, but it kind of sounded like by the end of May, anybody who wants one will have one. Absolutely. That's a great point, David. Well, let's dive into the uh, conversation today. Four steps to help you plan ahead for taxes in retirement. Uh, Before we get into the actual steps, David, not to ask you the obvious, but uh, why is this so important Uh, to a new listener to the show? Old listeners to the show, they're going to know the answer to this question. (laughs) Right. Well, for somebody who hadn't been paying attention, we, we now have a $28 trillion national debt, and Congress is just getting ready this week to reconcile their two bills that are going to pass another $1.9 trillion kind of a COVID support bill, which if you pick it apart, it has a lot of other stuff in it. But we've run up an extra $3 trillion of debt this year. And so that eventually, you would think, would run into some sort of problem that can only be solved by higher taxes. Another thing I was looking at um, earlier... Uh, in preparing for our discussion today was right now there's about 76% of the federal budget that's allocated to entitlement programs. Now, we know entitlement programs are Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and those types of things that, that we all feel like we're entitled to. If entitlement programs continue at their current growth rate, their expenses, then in less than 10 years, it's not going to be 76% of the federal budget. It's going to be 92% of the federal budget then all the other stuff that the government spends money on, roads, bridges, military, food stamps, you name it, that's going to have, there's going to be a lot less money to go around for those. And over the years, our elected officials have shown tremendous reluctance to cutting the benefits that they pass out to us, the electorate. What they're much more likely to do is find new sources of revenue. And all that means is that's code for raising taxes. Whose taxes? Well, we don't know yet, but the problem is pretty big, and so they're very likely to find ways to get revenue. A broad bunch of people, not a very narrow group, way at the top. So there is the why it's so important, and I guess it leads to my next question, David, of uh, talking about diversifying how and when retirement savings are going to be taxed. Um, Is it wise or a good idea to include that as part of the strategy? I know that a lot of people don't really have a plan for where they're going to draw their money from first in retirement. Right. So I think it's really a good idea, especially in your, I mean, as early as your 30s, but certainly in your 40s and 50s, to, to try to give some thought to uh, diversifying the way you invest for retirement such that you're going to have some choices, tax-related choices, when you get to retirement. I mean, two of the biggest unknowns in retirement are how much of your income is going to be taxable and what rate you're going to be taxed at. Sorry, bad English, but but what rate you're going to be taxed at. So you know that your pensions, if you have one, you know your Social Security, most of it is going to be taxable. If, you, if you've done a, a pretty decent job of saving for your own retirement, most of your Social Security is going to be taxable. And then you've got some non-retirement investments. And then, of course, your retirement savings. Those are things that are going to be taxable when you get to retirement. And who knows what your rate is going to be. But based on the things we talked about, the $28 trillion, the, the, budget, uh, the amount of budget that is going to uh, entitlement programs, it's very likely that your rate is going to be either higher or quite a bit higher in the future when you're retired. 
All right, another good point there. So, David, you discussed on these podcasts in the past that there are really four types of accounts available to most people to invest in for retirement. Can you refresh our memory on what those are before we uh, start getting into the steps to take? Uh, You know, I, I can, but you know what might even be more fun is if you tried to name them. Okay. And then I'll kind of, you know fill in some of the the details around what each of them are. All right. Uh, I know that I can go with the 401k. That's the that's the obvious one in the room, right? Absolutely. And a, and a whole bunch of our listeners have access to them. And even if you don't, kind of your non-work-related 401k lookalike is just your traditional IRA. And, everybody, and 403bs, depending on if you're a teacher or a government worker. But there's, for everybody who has earned income, there's a way to, to save in a tax-deferred way. And that's what Walter just mentioned, a 401k, IRAs, those are tax-deferred. You get a tax benefit today, but every penny you take out in the future when you're retired is taxed as ordinary income. All right, so 401k or traditional IRAs, that means we got to go with their counterpart, right? The, the good old Roth option. Exactly. And so, you know, we talked about those a lot. They're, they're just, they're, they're one of my favorite ways to save for retirement, and they make sense for a lot of people, but not everybody. So it's, it's super similar to a, to a 401k or, a, or an IRA, except that you don't get the tax deduction now when you put the money in, but the money grows tax-free, and when you take it out, every penny that you take out is tax-free. So it's, it's almost exactly the opposite of your 401k, which every penny you take out of is totally taxable. With a Roth, it's totally tax-free. All right. So that's two, 401k two and Roth. And then I guess it's just like norm, normal taxable accounts would be a third one, I would imagine, right? Like I've, after we max out our Roth IRAs or you know, look at uh, contributing as much as we can to 403b or 401k accounts, we just have like a general you know, stock account that we'll put investments and, and savings into. Exactly. And a lot of people don't have these, but the, the better you do for yourself, you've got to find homes, financial homes for, the, for more money as you make it. And so sometimes that's traditional bank accounts because people have a concern about the stock market. It used to be bonds, but bond r- rates are so low now that it's probably going to be bank accounts and some sort of stock or some sort of mutual fund. The benefit with these types of accounts is that you can sell, buy, anytime you want. You can contribute money or withdraw it anytime for any reason, no penalty. They, of course, uh, the investments, the, the, the money that you earn on them can be subject to capital gains taxes, to taxes on dividends and taxes on interest. But there's also no required minimum distribution ever out of a taxable account. Frankly, just to back up, there's not any required distribution out of a Roth account either, just out of your IRAs and 401ks. So that's three. You got your 401k, you got your Roth, and you got your taxable account. The other one, the fourth one's a little more obscure, but we talked about it a number of times, and my guess is you're going to get it. Oh, I, was, uh, I was really hoping that you would forget to send it back my direction and would just transfer into that fourth <laughs> one on your own, David. Um, I, I'm just going to take a stab. That's the one I'm drawing a blank on. So I'm going to take a stab and say uh, something like in- insurance-related, something in the insurance world, perhaps? Yeah, uh, basically. Uh, okay. It would be your health savings account. 
Okay, H- the, the old HSA, right? Exactly, the old HSA. So okay. most of our listeners will recognize that as an account where if you have a high deductible plan, your insurance plan is a high deductible plan, the government will allow you to put money, set money aside for future health care expenses in something called an HSA. Now, this, <laughs> this deal is better than a taxable account. It's better than your 401k, and it is better, unbelievably, than your Roth. This is the best thing going. Here's why. When you put money into your HSA, you get a tax deduction. It grows tax-free, and when you take it out to pay for health-related expenses, it comes out tax-free. So it is the greatest thing going. There are limits as to how much you can put put in, and you have to have a high-deductible health plan. Uh, But as long as you take the money out, at any age for a medical-related expense, comes out tax-free. Beautiful thing. So, Walter, I, you get an A on that little quiz. I was going to say, I, I would have settled for half credit on that last question, <laughs> so you're being a generous grader. I'm giving that all to you. That was really well done. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so then here's, the, uh, here's where the magic happens. With all of those choices, how would a listener today figure out how to use them uh, as a way to build their own retirement, some of those, uh, those steps that you teed up for us today. Okay, so the first one, I'm gonna, um, it's probably not the biggest pot of money that you're going to be able to, to accumulate, but if you happen to have a high deductible health plan, you need an HSA because of the, what I mentioned before, you get a tax deduction now and it grows tax-free and you take it out tax-free. That's an awesome thing. And sometime between now and your death, you're going to have health care expenses that you're going to have to pay from somewhere. And the HSA is the perfect way to do that. So, I get a lot of questions about how much should I put in my 401k or my IRA. And so I want to talk just a little bit about that, especially if you're in your 30s or 40s or early 50s. This can make a big difference for you on the flexibility you have in withdrawing money in retirement. So let's say today, first of all, if, you're, if your employer offers a 401k and they happen to offer a match, in other words, We'll put in 3% if you put in 3%. You have to make sure that you're putting in that 3% because that, that other 3% they're putting in is like a 100% gain on your money. It's free money. So you got to capture that. But then usually the company doesn't care if you put it into a, into a Roth 401k or a regular 401k. So here's some rules of thumb. Again, what we say here, this is not investment advice because we don't actually know who the listener is. But generally speaking, if you're in a lower tax bracket, 0, 10, or 12%, then you ought to consider maxing out the Roth 401k or the Roth IRA because there's a pretty good chance that your tax bracket in retirement is going to be equal to or higher than it is today. And that's the deciding factor in whether to do a Roth or a traditional IRA is will your tax rate in retirement be higher or lower than it is today? If you're in a low tax bracket, you're very likely to be in the same or higher tax bracket when you retire because you're going to be getting Social Security, maybe a pension, other things. So if you find yourself in a middle tax bracket, that 22 and 24% tax bracket, that's where it's really difficult to, to try to project into the future whether your tax rate in retirement is going to be higher or lower than it is today. So if you find yourself in the 22 or 24% bracket, I would consider splitting your retirement savings between tax deferred, 
traditional IRA or 401k, and the tax-free, the Roth accounts. And that way you're kind of hedging your bet as to whether or not you're going to be in a higher or lower tax bracket in retirement. And it's going to give you a couple of different buckets of money to pull from as you're cobbling together your retirement income. And then finally, Walter, if, if somebody finds themselves in, in the higher tax brackets, 32%, 35%, maybe 37%, there's a really good possibility that your tax rate in retirement is going to be the same or lower than it is today. So frankly, at that point, maxing out your tax deferred accounts, getting the tax deduction now probably makes the most sense for most of those people. So let me circle back and, and clarify the, the things I talked about there are your tax brackets and what they're going to be today versus in retirement. One thing that I see in my business, because I work with, with couples that are retired and, and getting older, and sometimes a spouse dies. Once your spouse dies, your tax bracket is almost certain to go up. And so that doesn't require any act by Congress. That's just the way it is. So for instance, if you're married filing jointly and you make about 80 grand of taxable income, you're in the 12% bracket. But if you're single, widowed, well, if you make 80 grand, you're in the 22% bracket. So it's a major difference for people's taxes once one of them dies. And so that is, that's another thing to consider as you age, your tax bracket is likely to go up because one of you is likely to die before the other. Just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind as you're thinking about where taxes are going in the future. Um, that's one uh, factor that is overlooked almost universally by clients that I talk to. Well, David, these are all good steps and things for us to remember when it comes to uh, kind of managing all of these different accounts. And uh, like you mentioned, some people have one or two of these things. Some people have all four of the accounts that we've talked about and trying to navigate your way through and see how all of them can kind of work together for you to accomplish your retirement goals. It's not as easy as a task as just snapping your fingers. I mean, it takes some some thought and uh, some calculations to make sure that you can do this. I guess it really comes down, it sounds like to me, to efficiency. We want to do this in the most efficient and economical way possible. That's right. Most I rarely talk to a client or a prospective client or, frankly, my friends who say, you know, the government's really hurt and I'd like to give them more than I owe. I mean, nobody says that. At least they don't say it to me. And so most people are saying, I want to pay what I owe, but I don't, I, I don't want to pay a penny more. And so if there are things you can do today that are going to mean that you're going to pay less in the future and have more for you and your family, that is very typical of the clients that I work with and the friends that I have. So these are, hopefully these have been some important, uh, helpful tips on, well, how do you go about doing that, especially if you have 10 or 20 or 25 years yet to go before you get there. You know, one other thing I just want to wedge in here real quick, and I know we've been going for a little while, and we've also done a number of podcasts on Roth conversions, but that time after you retire, let's say that you weren't, you decided you were in the, one of the higher tax brackets and you weren't going to do the Roth 401k at work. When you retire, but before your required minimum distributions start now at age 72, there's an opportunity in there of 
two, three, five, sometimes eight years where you can do Roth conversions. We're not going to go into that today because it's too long of a discussion. But you can go back to a couple of our old podcasts and you can hear why that Roth conversion might make a ton of sense for you and your family during that time period after you retire, but before required minimum distributions start. It just takes good planning, proper uh, education, making sure that you're making the right decisions, and a good discussion to make sure you're making all of these right choices. And if you want to talk to somebody who can help facilitate these kinds of conversations, David Dickens and the team at KC Financial Advisors, certainly there for you. 913-317-1414 is your number to call to get in touch with David. That's 913-317-1414. Or go online to cover your assets, KC. Dot com, And we'll put all the info that you need in the description or the show notes section of today's program. David, helpful going through these different steps. I appreciate that. Good. I hope that, was, uh, I hope that really helped uh, some of our listeners. I know next week we're teeing up some, um, some listener questions, and those are always really fun. So I'll look forward to uh, knocking out some of those next week. Yep. We, uh, we always have some good questions that come in from the listeners. We already have one on the docket, by the way, David, so far uh, that I know of. And uh, it just starts with, some people in the media. That, 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 I'm just there, there's a good little tease for uh, for for one of the questions. So I think we're going to have a fun slate of them coming up next week. This should be good. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening and joining us on the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. If you have any questions for David and a topic maybe that you want featured on the show, or if you have a listener question yourself, never hesitate to reach out. Again, contact info in the description of today's show. Uh, Please don't hesitate to ask if you have any questions at all. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time right back here on the Cover Your Assets KC Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other.